Blog Talk Radio. I'll take you to the glory. I can't stand it You are listening to Real Life Spill.
everyone that's listening. We will be right with y'all right after this song. So everybody stay put and we'll be right back with the Real Life Field Show. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to pass on to. Change your joy and laughter to
happen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Are we on? Yeah, I I, I can hear you now. This is uh, Minister Herman is Simpson it? on the line. <laughs> okay, all right. I, for a minute I'm, there, I thought all, Stevie I Wonder was say. on our show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Minister, Minister Simpson, I want to say excuse the malfunction. You know, stuff happens. You know this. But let me just first say, it is my joy this evening to have a man that I truly believe that God has anointed. And in my opinion, he is truly a man of God, a man that has been chosen, a man that speaks to us out of his God self, Minister Herman J. Simpson. Welcome, this evening, Minister. It is a pleasure to have you. Good evening, my beloved sister. And I, I do understand the technical difficulties. <laughs> for a moment there, I thought I was going to be off the hook and uh, Stevie Wonder was going to do this lecture for the night. <laughs> <laughs> so but, did but I. All is so well. <laughs> all is well. <laughs> all is well. All is well. And good evening to our listening audience. And uh, as I've been introduced, uh, my name is Minister Herman J. Simpson, and um, it's a pleasure and indeed 
a wonderful joy to be here with you all tonight, all those who have tuned in and listened in, and I pray that there will be something deposited that we can all wake up tomorrow morning looking at things a little bit differently. Thank you. So before we, before we, you know, endeavor in anything, we always invoke the great creator of all heaven and earth. And, Father God, our prayer this evening is for all those within the sound of my voice, for their spirits to be stirred, for their minds to be open, for them to receive a truth in a season such as this, that we will learn how to respond and not react, that we will walk in the light of truth that conquers all things. And we ask for these things in our precious name. Amen. Amen. Minister, tonight, your message, from my understanding, is about the pain in America. And so I understand that you're going to speak to that and um, and share, you know, what you know and how we can heal this pain in America. Yes, my beloved sister. You know, when I was asked to uh, participate in the show tonight, you know, I never take anything just out of opportunity. I said, well, I'll pray on it and get back to you. <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> when I did get back, the Spirit, the Spirit led me to speak on tonight, the pain in America. Because I think this is a time that this country as a whole, and not just this country, but this whole planet, is crying out with a, plain, a pain that must be heard and a pain that must be answered, a pain that must be treated. But in order to treat anything, you have to go to the origins of it. And the pain that is crying out by all people right now on this planet, you know, we just came out of the pain of a pandemic that caused people not to breathe, and it attacked mm. your respiratory season. You know, it, 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 it's something that affects everyone to the point they couldn't breathe, and millions were affected and hundreds of thousands have died. Right behind that pandemic is another pandemic, another pandemic that screams out, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And there's no coincidences in anything that happens. All things are relative. All things run together. And there's a great cry, not just in this land, but across the globe where people are hurting. People are hurting to the degree where the pain and the sound of the pain is rising to the heavens. And when you have that type of spiritual energy of pain and agony, it will be heard. It will be heard. But I'd like to focus in this evening on the pain here in America, a pain that has existed for generations and hundreds of years. You know, it was once said, and for those who have read the Bible, where Cain slew Abel, his brother, God asked him, where is your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said to Cain, the blood of your brother cries out from the ground. And I believe in America at this time, we're facing the crying out of the blood from the ground from the generations of pain and hurt by so many that were afflicted by the pain in how this country was formed. Our history lessons teach us that this country was formed by the forefathers who were fleeing oppression out of England and 
and Europe and looking for freedom. Well, unfortunately, history has taught us about human beings. Sometimes those who flee oppression become oppressors. And the things I'm sharing tonight are truths. They may be painful truths, but they are truths nevertheless. And I believe that we will have a time for questions and answers for those who are listening, that if you have questions, I will feel free to answer any at the conclusion of this lecture. But the pain that is crying out from this ground of this country we call America has existed for hundreds of years. People who said they discovered this country, this country didn't need to be discovered. It never was lost. It belonged to a whole race of people before the Europeans came to these lands. The indigenous Indians of this land, they occupied this land. And they welcomed in people who were oppressed. But lo and behold, those that they welcomed in that were oppressed became the oppressors. And this causes a great pain from the onset and creation of this so-called America, United States of America. And until we address the history of this pain, and until we address the things that have occurred for centuries in this land, the pain that is crying out is affecting every walk of life. Because even those who have become oppressive are in pain now. They have the pain of fear. And the pain of fear is that those that they have oppressed are rising up and speaking out against the oppression. And their fear is, will they become oppressed once those that they have oppressed are set free from that oppression? This causes a great pain, and it affects the spiritual psyche of human beings. And racism is just not systemic of America. It is something in the human nature, the humanistic aspect of man, as it was once said, that has that drum major instinct. I must be first. I must be more powerful than you. I must conquer you. I must overcome you. I must benefit from you. It's something terribly wrong in the psyche of man when there's the absence of spiritual light. In the absence of spiritual light, we're left to our own human instincts and left to our own human nature, which dictates and causes so much pain because we react instead of responding. There was a race of people that was practically annihilated in order for this country to become so-called great. There was another race of people who were enslaved that built the wealth of this country. The majority of those immigrants that came to these lands suffered forms of oppression, and that goes again uh, across the line. Asians and Japanese Americans faced oppression. The Italians faced oppression. The Irish faced oppression. Every race of people that came here, even those that came by way of Ellis Island, but then there was a whole race of people who did not come by the way of Ellis Island. They were brought on ships against their will. They were not coming to seek the American dream. Mm -hmm. They were brought to these shores as captives, enslaved and their blood is crying out from this ground. 
when we look at this vast railroad system in this country where you can get on a train and go from New York City to California by train, the blood of Asian Americans who helped build those railroads as well as those former slaves, their blood is crying out. And this is causing a great pain in this country. And now we're starting to see the cries of this pain because we're living in a generation now where you don't just see one race of people out screaming, I can't breathe. Pain is universal. And the people who came to these shores, who conquered these shores, they came with pain. And it's always been said, hurting people hurt people. And until we recognize the pain that has been across the board in this country, identify it, the roots of it, address it, acknowledge it, the pain will continue. And what we're hearing now is the pain cries across this country. There are those who may call them anarchists. There are those who call them protesters. There are those who call them uh, troublemakers and God knows how many other names they can label them with. But I've never heard anybody say these are people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. These are people who are tired of being hurt. These are people that are crying out. And the beautiful part that we see now before us, it's a whole generation of young people that are hollering, no more pain. We're tired hurting. But then there are a few who still want to inflict more pain. The time has come in this country that we must recognize the pain of the past. We must recognize the blood that this ground has been saturated with. Mm -hmm. Recognize it, acknowledge it, and see what it is causing. See what it is creating in the psyche of the people of today. This is the aspect of it that is called man's inhumanity to man. Because the unfortunate part of it, and I don't claim to be a, a history major, but I've studied enough history not to know his story, but to know the story. Yeah. And the true story is that human beings have oppressed one another across this globe. And what oppression does and slavery does it creates a pain that does not go away. Mm-hmm. It's a pain that has created the atmosphere in this country right now where there are those who literally are afraid that there's going to be a race war in this country because of the pain that's crying out. But it doesn't have to be a war. There just has to be an acknowledgement of the pain that was inflicted. And this young generation that's coming out now that are tired hurting, when you look at these so-called called protesters, and, and, and I, I, I disagree with the term protesters. They're not yeah. protesting. They're people proclaiming their pain and saying that they're tired of hurting. They're people who are saying enough is enough. And it's going across the board. I saw young white people. I saw young Asians. I saw, I saw people of every walk and color out in those streets proclaiming enough pain is enough pain. 
Because the truth of it is, when any human being suffers pain, we all suffer pain. Because this is the type of pain that has created a cancer in this country. Even when your body is suffering and reeking with pain, it's letting you know something is wrong, something is not right. I must get this checked out. And what is the first thing a doctor asks you? Did you eat anything? Did you do anything different? He tries to isolate what the cause of the pain is. And in this country, until we discuss and have dialogue about the pain that people are feeling in this country, until that pain is discussed, the cries will go on. Until those who inflicted pain Mm-hmm. acknowledge the pain that they have inflicted and then try to repent from that and become part of the cure, not part of the illness. Because pain shared by two is cut in half. And we're all sharing this pain and we're all bearing this pain. And everyone is saying, what are we going to do about it? But the first step to getting rid of pain is identifying it. And if we just study the history of how this country was formed, how it became wealthy, how it became one of the wealthiest planets or one of the wealthiest nations on this planet, it came that way because there was a race of people the land was stolen from. It became wealthy because it had hundreds of years of free labor that amassed all the wealth that we live in today. Even those immigrants who sought to come here for a piece of the great American dream, for some it was an American dream and for some it was an American nightmare. And to this day, it can still be a nightmare until the truth of the pain that was inflicted. And they say that for every earthly problem, there's a heavenly answer and a spiritual solution. You know, I chose that song... uh, Stevie Wonder, love is in need of love because love is the only cure. Love is the only cure. And I'm not just talking about that filio or euros love. I'm talking about the agape love. Because until human beings start seeing the God in one another, irregardless of race and color and creed, if I see the God in you, it's not about hurting you. It's about not hurting the God in you. It's not about you hurting me. It's about you not hurting the God in me. And until human beings can evolve to a point to realize that a piece of the creator lives in all of us, we will continue to inflict pain on one another. The only cure to this pain is studying the history and the origins of it, understanding where it came from, Understanding the mindset of the oppressors, understanding that they were running from oppression and they became oppressors. The greatest fear a conqueror has is those that they conquered may one day conquer them. And that produces a real fear, even to the degree where those who are oppressed will threaten the oppressors with, When my day comes, I'm going to get you back. But all that does is breed more pain. All that does is create more pain. 
And right now there's a generation of young people that are screaming and crying out saying enough, enough is enough. We are tired hurting. We are tired suffering from the sins of yesterday and the pains that were created yesterday. We don't want to hear about the pain. We want a cure. And what is the cure? It's what we see today, the unification of a generation that's saying enough is enough. We're in a season now where the young people are asking questions, where little white children can ask their parents, why did he kill that black man? Why did he choke him? And little black children can say, well, why was he killed? The young people want to know. Even the children are not blind to what's going on. And for those who don't want to acknowledge the pain, I challenge them to face their own pain within themselves. There are people right now who are crying about a flag coming down, but they don't cry about the people that were lynched under that flag. There are people crying about statues being pulled down, but they're not crying out against what those statues and those people, what they symbolized and the reason why they were monuments built to them. The more pain that we cause, the more blindness that we will face. And there has to be a reckoning for this pain. And the only cure for this pain is love. And when I talk about love, it's not a love that comes cheap. Love has never been cheap. Love will cost you something. And what it costs is the changing of your mind, the shifting of your mentality, the desire to walk by your spirit and not by your emotions. Because emotions are energy in motion. There's no control to them. But when you walk in love, love walks in a purpose. Love walks in a purpose. Because, see, racism doesn't care whether you're violent or nonviolent. It can thrive in either existence. But the one thing that can cancel out racism is the understanding of what love is. Racism stems more from a fear than it's just a color. In this country, we see it as racial as a color. But I challenge everyone within the sound of my voice to study what racism really is and look at it from a global position. Over in Ireland, when they had the wars and the Protestants against the Catholics, they all were the same redheaded people killing one another and bombing each other. You go over to Soviet and Bosnia in these countries, they're the same people killing one another, same color, same color skin, same color hair, same color eyes, killing each other. And they call it racism, ethnic cleansing. Even in our own continent of Africa, there were tribes that went to war against each other and slayed one another. Racism goes beyond just the color. Racism is an illness of the heart. Mm. Racism is beyond a color. And as long as we choose to see it as a color thing in this country, we will never just heal it. There was racism in this country between the Irish and, and the Italians. They hated each other. 
There was racism in this country that went beyond people looking different. They were the same people. But this is the only country on this planet that will put up statues for those who propagated racism. If you study the history of Germany and you travel to Germany, you don't see any statues of Adolf Hitler in Germany. They recognized what pain he caused. They recognized his racism. They pulled down all of his statues. So why are we crying in this country about pulling down statues of the men who went to war against this country to preserve slavery and racism? And we have an issue with taking down their statues. But there are those who have pride in those statues. And that tells you something. That tells you something if you can take pride in the statue of an individual who propagated slavery and racism and hatred and bitterness. The Italians love Mussolini was was an enemy. He joined with the Germans. They ripped down everything they could about Mussolini. What is our problem here? Identifying who our real enemies are and addressing it. And those that support institutionalized racism, they must ask themselves, why? What am I going to lose if I embrace somebody that was once oppressed? Some people think that the Civil War ended, but it never did. It was just multiplied to another degree because the same things that caused the Civil War still exist today. Even when we look at our political system, how is it that a man can win the highest office in this country but lose the popular vote? Mm. That's right. That's right. How how (laughs) is it that the majority of people in this country can vote for a person and still come out the loser? Mm. Because there's a system of pain embedded in that saying that your vote don't matter. It's what the Electoral College says that matters. Well, who created that? It stemmed from a time when they believed that African Americans was one-fifth of a man, and the fear was that there would be too many of the population in the South that would take over. So the system that was created was totally against democracy that caused pain. So until we address these social, economical, and political things that have caused pain in this country, the cry will get louder. Mm-hmm. The crowd will get louder. So we must start looking for the cure, and the cure is love. And those that would breed hate and dissension, it's so sad, and I'm not sure if many of you audience remember, there was a little commercial of a little white boy and a little black boy running to each other to hug each other. They were friends, true friends. They didn't see any color. They saw love between right. one another. And there right. are those in society that took that beautiful commercial, flipped it around, and showed the little white boy chasing the black boy, saying he's running from the racist white man. This is the poison that is affecting this country. And there's only one antidote to this poison, and that's love. 
love of yourself. Because if you learn to truly love yourself, you then will learn how to love someone else. So I implore all of those within the sound of my voice, look at the history. Look at the history in this country. Look at how it was founded. When they talk about the forefathers, what was their dream? When they said, we the people, e pluribus unum, who was included in that? The oppressed people of this country weren't included in that. The Native Americans, the indigenous of this country weren't included in that. The slaves weren't included. The immigrants that came here as indentured servants. Because let's not get it twisted. Yes, African Americans were enslaved in this country, but so was a whole lot of other races enslaved in this country. You had indentured servants that had to be a slave for seven years or more. They came as slaves. They came on slave ships in first class. We came in slave ships on the bottom of the ships. But a slave is a slave. Yeah. A slave is a slave. So until we unify between the pain that has been caused by the history of this country to those who inflicted that pain, when they step up and acknowledge with a sincere acknowledgement, because there are some people that cry out for reprobations. Let me tell you something. There is not enough money to, for reprobation. You cannot reprobate. There is no price tag you can put on a whole race of people who was annihilated. No matter how much money you let them make on the casinos, you can't bring them back. <laughs> you can't bring back and pay for all the people who dove off of slave ships and would rather drown in the bottom of the sea than to be slaves. There is no price tag you can put on that. But there is a healing that can occur. There's a healing. And that healing starts with the acknowledgement of, yes, we have wronged you. We have wronged you. We hear your pain. We acknowledge your pain. Forgive us for this pain, but that forgiveness comes with a price. And the price of that forgiveness is how can we correct it? What can we contribute? And I'm not talking about throwing money at a situation. Because, see, money is an earthly solution. It's not a spiritual solution. Can the oppressors change their heart? Can they get rid of their fear of retaliation? These are the questions we must ask ourselves. These are the things that we have to look towards. And for every earthly problem, there's a heavenly answer. And there's a spiritual solution. And that spiritual solution is love. Learning what it is, how to apply it, and even teaching your oppressor what love is. And that's what these young people are doing. These young people in the street that are loving one another, black, white, Latino, Hispanic, Asian, Irish, German, you know, you know, in this country, we've, we're missing a big picture here. The pain is reverberating around the globe. I looked in Germany, and it was a sea of white people hollering, I can't breathe. And they were pulling down statues. Over in London, England, 
people were screaming and pulling down statues of people from England who propagated the slave trade. You look across this globe, there is a consciousness that is crying out. There's a pain crying out in the spiritual consciousness of this planet, saying enough is enough. So this is bigger than America. It's bigger than America. There's a shift in the global consciousness of humanity where human beings are tired of the inhumanity to man. So America they call the great experiment. They call America the great dream. Well, we will see whether this experiment explodes or it will create something wonderful, which it has the potential to be. Or we will see whether this American dream becomes an American nightmare. But there's only one thing that can determine the outcome of that, and that is for those to walk in a love, and he got their love, and until we recognize that everyone has God in them, even those who may not profess to know God, even those who choose to be atheists or agnostics, I don't debate. And the reason I don't debate with atheists because they say they don't believe in God, but that doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Well, Minister, you have really, really uh, brought some light to the situation. And I'm sure that, um, you know, there's some people out there who heard the message. And so right now we're going to take a break. And um, we're going to come back and we're going to see if there are some people who would like to ask some questions. And then um, we'll be right back. Okay.
like to welcome everybody back to the Real Life Spill Show. Minister Simpson, thank you for being thank you for being with us tonight and sorry for the technical difficulties that we had in the beginning. My sincerest apologies about that. Um real quickly for anybody if you would like to talk, you can press one if you have after the minister fully wraps up and does questions and answers. If you would like to talk on the show, press one. What I generally do is I generally call out the last four digits of the phone number that you're calling from. Tonight, however, I might do it a little different. If you hit one, if you want to talk, you will hear the prompter say that you have been unmuted. So if you do hit one and you talk, and once you hit it, you're unmuted, you will be on the air. So I might just do that a little bit differently, but we are back with the Real Life Skill Show. I'm going to turn it back over. I want to turn it back over to Ajua, and then she can turn it back over to Minister Simpson. Okay. Minister Simpson, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. So we're going to wait a little bit, and you can go ahead on and because um, we're about to wrap up. And so, you know, I'm so happy that you came on and, as I said in the beginning, was able to share because there's so much that people do not understand 
in these times when people are living in fear, as you said, and, you know, love is very powerful. And so, and, you know, I think it's so important that we share the message of love because, uh, you know, some people, they, they don't realize that, you know, the love they seek is within themselves. You know, in, in order to love anyone or anything, you have to love you first. But I think that it's so unfortunate that people do not know how to love themselves. And so, but thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate your message this evening. And so, and if you, you and, know, and also, if you would uh, go ahead. And, and also, we, we don't want to cut it short. If there's anything, if there's anything that you want to add on, you can feel free to do so because we do have lots of time. If you want to add anything else in, or if not, we could just open the floor for a Q&A that, that is up to you at your discretion. Right. Well, I, I would just, nothing too much more to add other than I would encourage our listening audience to call in for questions. Because you see, unless we dialogue, unless we talk, mm-hmm. unless we speak from our hearts and from our spirits, mm-hmm. we cannot change anything. The revolution starts within yourself. Mm. You cannot be part of a revolution if a revolution has not occurred within you. Mm. So I encourage Amen. those, ask questions. Even if I would love to hear from the ones who totally disagree. <laughs> because at least that's a dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> that's a dialogue. So I welcome all Damn. those who will come in with questions because... We need that. See, Amen. We need, to, anybody. We, 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 we need to hear from all those mm-hmm. who are feeling this, because there's going to be psychological ramifications from this for generations. Mm-hmm. There's a new normal in this country. Yeah. But unless we Once talk again, about anybody, it. Because, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just make that announcement again. Once again, if, very, if anybody would like to speak, press one, and I will bring you on to the show. If you have any questions, any remarks, anything, just press one, and I will bring you on to the show. All right. And we have a lot of callers, but nobody, nobody as of yet that wants to um, speak yet. Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sometimes people are a little intimidated. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a huge subject, you know, and it's it's a new day. You know, people are afraid. You know, and they're afraid of the dialogue. Yeah, and you know, Sister Ezra, as you stated, you know, it's so clear and important for people. You know, so many people are speaking, but they're wondering, is anyone listening? Yes, that's so true. Right. You know, because there's yes. a silent cry where so many are crying in silence. Absolutely. You know, but it's it's such a deep issue, and so many are affected, and I'm glad you made that point that it's not just one race of people who are affected. Yeah. And it's so, so that true. was a very valid point. Yes. And so, but you know, we will continue to stay uh, 
positive, and we will look towards hope, and we will be optimistic in the future, knowing that, you know, um, whatever we experience, God is in on the experience, and that's where our faith comes in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Because there is going to be a cry for new consciousness in humanity. And I and I and I don't mean a religious consciousness. I mean a consciousness mm. that precedes religion. Cuz sometimes religion can fuel the madness in human beings. I'm a man of faith. I'm not a man of a religion. You know, okay. you know minister, let me let me let me ask you something because I did a I did a show over the week on Wednesday and my question that I put out to the people was, why does love or loving someone matter? That's the question that I put out to the people on Wednesday. I got different responses, but I would like, you know, I would love to get a response from That's you. That's a great that. question for me. Okay, and the Simpson. question once again for me, brother, <laughs> love, it was, once again. It, it, it was, why does love or loving someone matter? Why is it important to love? Well, the one one thing about love is this. It's something that we always forget. Well, it's not a matter of we forget. It's just not taught across the religious lines, whether you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever your professed religion is. There's There's one eternal aspect that should be taught. All things were created in love. The essence of everything is love. Even the atoms and the molecules and and the neutrons and protons, they have a love and a harmony that holds all things together. Love is a power and a force that even supersedes the ideology of what man says love is. Uh Love is so powerful that we are created and conceived in love. But even if there there are people, to say that, there are people that have been conceived and where, what about rapes and, you know, that's questionable, you know. Yeah, the the action may be questionable, but Uh that life that is brought forth from that has, has the potential to far supersede any tragedy that brought it here. Mm. That's profound That's profound We can curse the act of conception If it was forced mm-hmm. or violent But you can't curse what was conceived mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because even, even that love is greater Because when you have a thousand A million sperm cells floating and fighting To catch that's one love. egg That's, that's love, love. That's love. <laughs> yeah. So love can even be broken down to to the most finite aspect, because human beings cannot exist without love. No. Every woman that gave birth to a child, the love that she has for that child is what causes her breast to lactate, to be able mm-hmm. to feed and nurture and love that child. Mhm. 
What man yeah. feels like a true man if he doesn't have the love of that child that was conceived that he played a part in? That's the power of love. The power of love is a power that 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 we have yet to really scratch the surface of it. And the greatest problem mm-hmm. is there's so many who don't love themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm incapable of loving you. Some people may say mm-hmm. this is a selfish statement, but I cannot possibly love you if I have not loved me first. That's a fact. Some people statement. don't know. They don't know. They don't know how to. You know, and some people are so wounded that they don't feel that they are valued or that they're worthy of love. You know, yeah, so let that me tell you, thing. But, but, bri- but briefly, let me tell it. you what made me. Let me tell you what made me ask the people that. What made me ask the people that is basically what Ozzy was said because I thought about. There, there was two things that happened to me last week, and I can say God is just amazing. You know, and a lot of different things that he asked me to do at different times. Because on Friday it was about one one thirty in the morning, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking about what you know people are doing at that hour. You know, there's a lot of different activities going on at that hour. But what came to me was to encourage somebody. And you know, me sometimes I'm a little, sometimes I can be a little iffy. I go back to God, like, okay, you sure you you sure you want me to do this? So, you know, I tell a lot of. Now you know realistically, I tell a lot of people I'm still, I'm still working on me. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So in the midst of it, so in the midst of it all, I have to, as you said, you know, before you, before you even said yes to the show, before you even said yes to the show, you said you had to go and pray, you know, and get confirmation on, okay, is this, you know, yes or no? Should I do this or should I not? So you know, I went back in that moment and I was like, okay, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? But in the midst of it, I did that that Friday night, that same Friday night. I went to my social media outlet. I reached out to who I thought, you know, whoever it might have been. He didn't specify. It could have been. It could have been more than one person. It could have been people. But as I was sitting there on Saturday night, I thought about the person who, who basically went through things. You know, like like Ozzy was said, the person who never, the person basically who. I don't know how to love somebody because love was never given to me. Or if somebody tells me that they love me, I don't believe them because of all, you know, because of tragic events and things like that that I've been through. Or I don't love myself, so how can I love you? Or how can you love me if I don't love me? So it was good that, you know, that this was touched on again because mm-hmm. that was what I put out that on the show I did Wednesday. We actually have a, um, we have a caller that would like to speak. Caller, welcome to the Real Life Still Show. Good evening, sir, and thank you for giving me the time to uh, interact with you guys and voice my opinion. I just wanted to uh, touch upon what Mr. Simpson said about the generational gap, about the way the world is being perceived by us, by this current generation, about the hate and the misfortune in the world. And um, I feel that a lot of the fight, that was the civil rights movement, the, the what that came beforehand, I feel it was lost to this generation. But they're experiencing it now in their own ways and they're getting that same feeling of being fed up that was had back in the days. It's a generational thing and then it comes and it goes, it comes and it goes. The problem in the being is we need to keep the history alive, keep the fight alive 
let these young people know just because you fight now doesn't mean you stop fighting tomorrow. It doesn't end. And it's not a country thing, as you said. It's becoming a worldwide thing. You're seeing it all over the world, that people's eyes are being opened. And I feel you guys, when I say you guys, I mean the older generation, the forefront, this is the time for you guys to step up and not so much pass the torch, but just fuel the fire. Let these young people know there's a proper way to do it. We don't have to tear down and burn down our neighborhoods. There's civil disobedience. There's protesting without the violence, without us having to get maced or fire holes or attack like dogs like they did in the 50s and 60s. You know, it's just a matter of giving them the guidance to go about doing it properly. And I and I, I, so, I so wholeheartedly agree with the caller because there's a saying that says, old men for counsel, young men for war. And through all of this, you're mm. so right, Paula. There is a need for the older generation to bring counsel to this generation that's on the front line right now, to mm-hmm. share with them what the previous generation went through, but what we did not achieve, that this generation has the potential to achieve it. And we do mm-hmm. need more of the older generation to counsel and join arms mm-hmm. with this young generation. Mm-hmm. Because without guidance, you can't go forward. And it's mm-hmm. a true, that is such a true statement. You know, old men, old men and old women for counsel. Young mm-hmm. men, young women prepared for war. But they need counselors. And I, and I challenge yeah. all of those from that other generation. Counsel these young people. Share with them the clarity of what they're truly fighting for. Thank you, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me the time to voice my opinion. Thank you. Minister Simpson. Yes. um, Just to, you know, add to that, that struck a chord with me because I I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, they, um, because, you know, you're an OG preacher. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You you know, back in the day. (laughs) You know, I claim like it. I claim you know, it. with that triple with, with OG, the, the, triple OG. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so our our grandparents did not talk to us about these kind of things. So they true. kind of swept it under the rug, and so, so you know. True. So when you speak about the dialogue that needed to be had, you know, my grandparents, you know, on both sides, you know, they I never heard them mention slavery. And and yeah. I know that, you know, being that it is such a generational uh, um thing that we've all experienced, it's, it's just they didn't they didn't even they didn't even want to my grandmother never even wanted to go back to the south. And I I believe yeah. that was because it was so traumatizing for her. She never wanted to ever live in the south again and she did not. And so, so true. but did not so speak true. on why. Yeah, and you you know you know part of the why behind that is that we the previous generation prior to us they were so intimidated mm. by what happened to them in that history, okay, that they they suffered from post traumatic stress and even and shame of who they were. Yeah, they they and even talking them, yeah. about the atrocities of slavery took them right back to that pain they were trying to escape from within. Okay. But but when we tie this into love, I worked in the prison system for 20 years. Oh, yeah, I went from the prison to the pulpit. 
but being in the prison was my calling. And my greatest shield when I worked on Rikers Island for 20 years, my greatest protection was not that badge. It was not that blue uniform I wore. My greatest protection was the love that I showed to those that were in that situation because when I looked at them, I said, there go I but for the grace of God. Amen. My, my love was the greatest weapon on Rikers Island. And unfortunately, I raised two generations of inmates on Rikers Island before I retired. Why did a young man have to come to jail to meet a correction officer to tell him, man, I love you? I love you so much, I'm not going to let you hurt yourself or somebody else. And that's what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying. That's I've exactly had inmates cry in my arms because they were leaving on their discharge date because the only love they ever saw was the love that I was able to give them because that was my calling. My calling wasn't to be their jail guard. I didn't allow them to call me CO. They called me Mr. Simpson, or they called me Aki, which is brother translated in Arabic. Because mm-hmm. that's the power of love. If I could walk in the belly of the beast, the darkest place where you can see men lose their own instinct of being men and being reduced to animalistic tendency. And if you can show them love that lifted their heads up, if it can be done in the deepest dungeon, it surely can be done anywhere else. That is the power Mm. of that love. That is the power of love. Mm. And I had I, I had somebody chime in on um I have somebody that's listening and they're very close to me. They they co host with me from time to time and what they said they said to my generation, they said it's time for us to real. Keep this fight going in regards to Black Lives Matter, keep the fight going in regards to deportation, keep the fight going to live. Love yourself. Love yourself slash build your relationship with God, but most importantly, wake up. And I would even say more importantly, keep building that relationship with God. Also, also what she specified on, she specified on how the government is giving out this money to people when we still have people homeless. And also, she says again, she says, we as people, we should wake up and demand a change. It starts with us. She said the older generation did their part. And once again, I want to you know, everybody that did do their part, I want to say kudos to y'all. Thank you very much. Very, 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 very much. And, you know, and she said she feels like it's time for our generation to to take a stand now. Brother CJ, yeah. may, may I comment on something real quick? Yeah. Let me comment on something, and I totally agree with the sister's comments. But isn't it kind of ironic that this government found billions of dollars <laughs> billions of dollars to give mm-hmm. people a couple of crumbs, twelve hundred dollar mm-hmm. stimulus check. Sad part about mm-hmm. that, right. almost a billion of those dollars went to dead people, okay, who weren't even alive. But huh. they found they reached into the magic hat, pulled out this stimulus <laughs> money. Where was those billions of dollars when it came to education for those who have been right. oppressed? Where right. were those and millions of dollars? when it came to paying teachers more than you pay police officers? Where mm-hmm. was those millions of dollars when, they, when, when neighborhoods didn't even have hospitals or proper mm-hmm. health care? 
It's so ironic how that magic hat only works one way. Because I'm quite sure society could have benefited a whole lot better than the $1,200. We don't need to be stimulated. We need to be cured. <laughs> so they can magically bring well, out well, these millions they, they can't make no money off the cure, people. though. Yeah. Minister Simpson, they can't make no money yeah. off the cure now. All right. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and 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 the and, the, and the, the the sister said the sister said Amen. She does agree with you. Um, anybody else, if you would like to speak, press one. We still have we still have some time. If anybody else wants to voice their opinion on what we're talking about and what's have been talked about thus far, feel free to press one, and I will bring you on the show. We do have a we do have another person that wants to speak. Oh, wonderful! Uh, wonderful. Welcome. Carla, welcome yes, to the Real Life Spill Show. This is Carla from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the minister for inviting me to listen, Minister Simpson. But you, we heard uh, the whole adage, do you feel my pain? We've been feeling pain in America for a long time. And I guess at some point you get used to it and you, 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 you know it's coming. But then you sit back and look at it, you say, well, how far is this going to go? Yeah. We try to give these to the youth that you don't feel the pain that you haven't had the pain that we endure. Yes. Uh, Minister Simpson, could you speak on that? This is uh, Ray Rollins from Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, 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 Brother Rollins. I, I, I can definitely add. I, I agree with everything you said because the one thing about pain, pain can multiply. Pain can multiply so much that what we're seeing now with this generation is the result of the pain that the past generation felt and still feels. The pain of this young generation is we have single-parent rape. Like no other, the family structure has been torn down. These young people are crying out, and they have no one else to cry out to but each other. They haven't lived long enough to face the pain we face. But what happens with pain, pain is a vibration that vibrates out. It's just like that pebble you drop in the water and you see the circles go out. Well, the pain that's crying out from the Native Americans, the pain that's crying out from the African Americans that were enslaved, the pain that's crying out from the Asians who, who were treated like slaves as well, the pain of so many people, that vibration is reaching an all-time high that you have young people out in the streets screaming from pain, and they don't even know where all this pain is coming from because they haven't been on earth long enough to feel this pain. But the pain is reverberating mm -hmm. out from generations. Mm-hmm, yes. This is a pain Generational that is pain. out from the first mm -hmm. time the first slave came to these shores. This pain is mm -hmm. crying out from the, from, from the Native Americans who were slaughtered by Gatlin guns, where whole tribes of Native indigenous people were wiped out just so their land could be lost. So all that pain built up was just like that mushroom coming from an atomic bomb. And these young people are suffering from the radiation poison of that pain. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. There's truly a healing that needs to happen. 
Yeah. You know, we yeah. we must you know, we must, you know, take time and think about how to heal because it's certainly yeah. generational. You know, and we yeah. must take time to heal each other and as you yeah. say, you know, we we must learn to salute the God in each other. You know, yeah. at the core of everyone's being there is God. I don't care who yeah. you are. At the core of you, yeah. we are made of God. So at yeah. our core, no matter how you function, there's a God there. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. that's yeah. what we have to to speak to. And when we, you know, I, I find that, you know, people try to be uh, ignorant. I'm going to say ignorant. Yeah. about, you know, what's going on and I oh I didn't I, I didn't mean to offend you and you know, we go into stores and you know, I feel that as a as a race of people we're being targeted. You know, I have a son, you know, and, and it's very difficult because we must always have that talk with our children because we don't know what they face when they go in these streets. You know, yeah. it's not easy. And, so and so there is there's a fear there. And so all of these things need to be addressed and the police, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I, from my understanding, the the whole police uh, structure, which re- really needs to be dismantled, in my opinion, and just because of the mentality of police and their assumption that, you know, you you big, you black, you know, and uh, and you, you're a threat to them, just by just from being black, just by the yeah. color of our skin, you know, we we've had you know, so much um, brutality, you know, that we have been faced with. And this this is not new. And I do think that it comes from from slavery. I do. Well, well, and I think, sister, I think I, it's taught. I, yeah, I agree with you. Not only, not only uh, are your statements correct, you don't have to think it came from slavery. If you study <laughs> the pattern of police occupying, and I didn't want to go there, but, but, but okay. we, we, the door got open. The door yes, got open. Yes, yes. <laughs> All you have to do is study the strategy of the slave catchers. Uh-huh. The slave catchers were the occupying law enforcement of the generation of slavery. That spirit mm. was never put down. Yeah. Law enforcement has to recognize something. Either they're going to be viewed as an occupying force, or they're going to be viewed as part of the community. Mm-hmm. And right now, even for the police department and for law enforcement in this country, this is a rare opportunity for them to kill that mm-hmm. spirit of the past and stop being mm-hmm. occupied and be members of these communities. But it starts at the top. It starts oh, at it the does. top. Yeah, it does. And, and, it does. And, and, we, yeah. and, and the black community needs to wake up. Black men need to wake up. We need to wake up to the fact that there are traps set out there for for all of us. And the thing is that we must stop falling into the trap. We yeah. can't we yeah. can't we can't keep letting letting them set us up. Okay? Yeah. We yeah. have to it's wake so up to the fact. Okay. It's so true. And I mean and that on a deeper level. The the, the drug yeah. trap. When however they trap us all. Because we don't have the boats and the planes and the and the means to bring in the things that trap us off and, and thus cause incarceration. This is so true. Mm-hmm. This is so right. true. Mm-hmm. Brother CJ, I don't know how we are on time, but can I share a quick two-minute, three-minute story? Go right ahead, Minister. We still have 40 When you talk, when you talk about that trap, 
when you talk about that trap, uh-huh. I remember one day being in the day room with a group of inmates on Rikers Island in the IID program, which was Institute for Inner Development. It was the only program ever in the history of Department of Correction that helped people take responsibility for their actions. Of course, the program mm. was so good, they terminated it very quickly. Of course, of course. <laughs> but I remember saying to the brothers in the day room, you know, they was like, yo, there's a trap out there. They set a trap for us. And I proposed this question to these brothers. I said, if you watch a man dig a ditch and he covers that ditch up with leaves and he camouflages it, but you watched him do all of this and then you still fall in that ditch, mm-hmm. you have to take responsibility. If you know there's a trip, if you know there's a trap, then educate yourself to shift around those traps. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are traps there. But if you have knowledge of it being a trap, how do you still get caught in it? See, that's mm-hmm. where we, as, as a race, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. Yes, there is traps out there. But that, that, that goes back to, to self-love. Yes. Because when, yes. when you love yourself, you ain't trying to. I mean, we all have had, you know, instances where we could have fell into the trap. Yes. Okay? Yes. All of yes. us, because they sure put them out there for you to fall into, and that's what makes the system yes. go. Yes. That's what that's what feeds the system. Okay, without yes, so mass true. incarceration, they they need they need to incarcerate people because there's so many people getting paid. The judges, the lawyers, you can go on yes. and on, you know, yes. and and see how mass incarceration is is a is a it's a, a billion dollar industry. Okay, they got to well, keep actually, it going, so they got to yes. keep the traps going. Well, 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 actually, no, what right. happened? We don't have to fall in. Right. Well, what really happened was, why do you need crops of cotton when you can have crops of people? Mm. Mm. Okay. That's the new harvest of this generation. They don't need the cotton anymore. They have us in this complex industrial prison complex. Is nothing but a plantation. But the new crops mm-hmm. are those wearing those uniforms inside. Mm-hmm. It costs it forty to $60,000 a year to house an inmate in any institution. Where's all this money generated him. from? Yeah, but you can educate you a man. You can't take half that money and produce money. a good education system. So That's see, right. these are the systemic problems that we have to identify because it's not just the racist part, it's the economical story too. Absolutely, absolutely. We are, we are yeah, the new crops. Yeah. yeah. No, we ain't. It ain't new. I'm sorry, Minister. We've been the crop well, we, for too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We 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 just went from cotton to human beings. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're still using us. And that's where I we I got mean, to learn to love each other and look out for yes. each other. Yes, yes, we do. And stand strong in that, in that knowing of who we are and how divine we are as a people. Because it's them that really need us. No question. Yeah. So if anybody else wants to speak, if anybody else wants to speak, press one. We still we still have some more time if anybody else wants to chime in on the conversation. 
But you know something something that I something else that I found interesting, like you just said, and I mean it's it it's sad that they rather put more money into more money into an institution than than an education. And you know that as far as even even with our blacks, our race, you know, you they feel. I mean, some. I don't know if I should say all or some. You know, they feel like they're better off in in a cage as opposed to trying to get a you know trying to get an education. Like you said, it's all back to the all back to the economics of everything. Well, you know, I'm sure you know, Minister, you could speak on this you know, as well as I can at this point in my life. You know, I the mentality of the people in that are incarcerated, you know, I notice that, you know, it, it's a it would be a fine opportunity to help them to, to reinvent themselves, to help them to elevate themselves. And so that when they go back into society we could reduce recidivism. Uh you know, and, and so Oftentimes, it's a it's a setup, as they call it, a merry-go-round. Okay, they they that's what they call people who are, who are repeat offenders, and it's almost mm-hmm. as though they bet they I, I bet you'd be back, okay, because oh, yeah. they make it difficult yeah. for them to survive. Yeah, sister, you got to I be real two, smart when you come out of here, out of there. I raised I raised two generations of men on Rikers Island, two. Mm. All right, the story is I had a young adolescent because I specialized in the adolescent population. Mm-hmm. And I had an adolescent back in the early 80s, and now this was coming towards the middle of the 90s, and another inmate, adult inmate, said, hey, uh, Mr. Simpson, can I speak to that kid over there? And I said, what do you want to speak to that kid for? He said, well, that that's my son. Generational. Mm, I said, yeah, you can go speak to him, but it still didn't hit me yet until I seen him there talking. And I remembered having the father as an adolescent in one of my daughters. Mm-hmm. Now his son Look is there, that. and they're Look sitting at, at a table on Rikers Island in the mess hall having a conversation yeah. two generations. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that with females as well. I've worked yes. with the population also, yes. and I've seen but that with see, yeah, generational. Right. But you see, they don't want. They call it the Department of Corrections, but it's not. Cause see, there's no, no money in there's no money in correcting anything. We yeah, had to ask right. ourselves. There were more inmates coming out of prisons with college degrees, mm-hmm. and the statistics show that those brothers coming out of prison with college degrees, they had a 98 percent successful rate that they never were incarcerated again. So what happened? Mm. They cut all of the college programs, and they stopped education mm-hmm. in the prisons. Mm-hmm. In 1985, I wrote a 20-page proposal for a vocational training program for adolescents to teach them carpentry, plumbing, and electrician, that they can leave jail and get into an apprenticeship mm-hmm. to have a viable employment. They told me it was too costly. I came back to them with the statistics and showed them how much they were spending to keep them locked up and the recidivist rate with him mm-hmm. coming back. Mm-hmm. That's when the light bulb mm-hmm. went off, and I realized they don't want to correct anything. That's right. There's no, that's right. There's, there's money in recidivism. 
That's there's right. Yes, there is. Well, feed the system. That's right. You know, yes. they're not trying. It's not. It shouldn't be called the Department of Corrections. It should be called the Department of Confusion. <laughs> because everybody's getting paid. Correction officers get paid. Yes. Okay? Correction officers get paid. The police officer that lock you up get paid. The legal aid lawyer that tells you to cop out to a crime you didn't do, he gets paid. The DA gets paid. The judge gets paid. The the court officer gets paid. The parole officer gets paid. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yes, it is. And you can't take that mm-hmm. money and correct behavior. You can't take that mm-hmm. money and teach them a valuable right. trade or an education. Yeah. So yeah. it stops the recidivism. But see, if you stop recidivism, guess what? You need less police. You need less correction mm-hmm. officers. You need it, less lawyers. It, it, all, it all comes back to the money game. It comes there right back go. to the same thing. It, 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 it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. And so many corporations are involved. These big corporations that we see. Sister Ajua, you and I can go buy stock. Sister Ajua, you and I can go buy stock tomorrow. We can go to Wall Street and buy stock because they've privatized the prison systems out west. You and I can go buy stock and make money. You have companies like Corecraft and these other uh, Mm. uh, prisons that have now been privatized where you can mm. invest in them now. <laughs> mm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I um I must say I enjoyed this conversation. And um Minister Simpson, you got to come on again cuz you know I like you when you be talking about relationships cuz you are you so dope <laughs> on that subject, okay? And so I hope that um, you snitching, you snitching, you you snitching, sister. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well, I am I'm, I'm keep I'm keeping it one hundred though, okay? Yes, and yes, so, ma'am. CJ, you know, uh, we must have Minister Simpson back again because, like I said, he really, really uh, got a lot to say about relationships and so I hope that you know we can get you to come on and um and we can uh enjoy you sharing some of your uh, your wisdom and knowledge as you do so well. And well, thank brother you so C- much. Bro- brother CJ us. I love this one. I I'll certainly pray on it, my beloved sister. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you so much, beloved. Thank you for coming yeah. on. Thank you, thank you for sharing your love and light. And, and, and thank, and thank you for the opportunity to love on those that were listening, because yeah. you can even love people with truth. And sometimes yeah. the best way to love someone is speak the truth. Yeah. Well, we've done that tonight. And so, yes, we good have. night, everyone. Good night. So God bless again. all. Well, before we- well, yeah. be, before we go, I just have before we go, I just have a couple of announcements. Um, last call. If anybody wants to speak, if not, thank you for joining the show tonight and listening. Um, I want to send a big congratulations to one of my friends back home, back in Florida. He just received he just received a daughter early this morning. 
So I want to officially welcome him Praise to fatherhood. God. Yes, yes. Amen. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Yes. Another, another queen. Another because, queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because I can say it ain't it ain't no it ain't no easy thing. I mean he's he's been married, he he's had the opportunity of having of having stepchildren, but I think I think there's nothing like having having your own child, you know. And he has his own child. So once again I wanna congratulate him on that. And the mother, and the mother. Yes, and the mother, and the mother who I had the who I had the honor of meeting. It was only one time, but I did have the luxury. I did have the luxury of meeting her while while I was in Florida last time I was there. So congratulations to both of you guys. Of course, you know I'm here if you guys need anything. In regards to the show, we will be returning in August. I believe I want to say the second week in August. Okay. It should it should be the second week of August. I'm trying to bear with me. I'm trying to pull up the calendar and give you guys the exact date. If it's not the twelfth, it will be the fourteenth of August that we will be returning. Gonna take a little vacation for July. You know, just take a little just take a little break and we should have some new things for you guys. Like I said, nothing set in stone, so I don't wanna I don't wanna go announcing saying that, you know, it's gonna be this and it's gonna be this. I know that for sure the real life spill show will be Intact though, you know we'll be okay. we will be there Wednesday, we'll be there Friday, and we'll be there Sunday like we generally do. Oh, and I gotta say this before I go, um, and go I may not get a chance to do this again. Sir Simpson in the house tonight is about to have a birthday, so big <laughs> birthday shout out to Minister Simpson. <laughs> Happy <Got> birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God, God I'm happy you, birthday happy. ahead of time. <laughs> thank you. Thank God bless you, my yes. beloved sister. Hey, you know how to blow a triple I mean, OG not, up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we we not listen, we we not much of singers, but happy birthday to you. I mean not much of a singer, but you know. <laughs> Brother CJ, is that Stevie Wonder again? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, y'all. Good night. Anyway, Good night. Thank you ever so much anyway. for the opportunity to share love and share truth. God bless you Thank all. You. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again. That's right. All right. Good night, God everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. See everybody in August. Stopping my shine. They try to break me, try to take me out, but I got Jesus on my side. So bad I thought it would die. But ain't no power stronger than the one that came and laid down his life. And I got mountains to climb. But the enemy can't stop me, cause there's a calling on my life. So when I'm crying, don't last too long. Cause he gon' step in and make it alright. Only do it. He said he you dig on wonder how you sleep at night Only do it I asked you if 
Real Life Media, Real Life Spill, hosted by Chuck C and your girl A-Rank. Real Life Spill, real life for real people.